If you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 19 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith, and thank you so much for praying for me and for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall. Guys, in episode 19, I'm discussing a recent report that Pope Francis denied the existence of hell during an interview with a longtime atheistic friend of his, and how the media has tried to spin his remarks. I also examine the doctrine of hell from a New Testament perspective and highlight what the early Christians believed about it. Well, if you're blessed by this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave an honest review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. And also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at my website, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com. Dot com, or you can email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. And in 2016, I wrote a book called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ. And you can find this book on Amazon. If it's a blessing to you, please leave me an honest review there. And some of y'all have been doing that. And my goodness, it is just, it's such an encouragement to me to see God's work reaching people for his glory. I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls' Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready with an Answer. And if you have any questions about what I discuss here on Reclaiming the Faith or uh, what BDK or Justin Fall talk about, uh, you can send questions to bdk at omegafrequency.com and we will answer those questions on our show ready with an answer that we do once or twice a month in addition to our own channels you can find each of our podcasts at the fourth watch radio website or on the fourth watch radio podcast and finally the early christian quotes that i use can be found on the cd-rom version of the anti-nicene fathers And you can purchase your copy for $5 on the Scroll Publishing website. All right, let's get episode 19 rolling. A few weeks ago, Pope Francis had a sit-down interview with a longtime atheistic friend of his named Eugenio Scalfari. And in this interview... Pope Francis was asked by Scafari this question. Scafari said, Your Holiness, in our previous meeting, you told me that our species will disappear in a certain moment and that God, still out of his creative force, will create new species. 
You have never spoken to me about the souls who died in sin and will go to hell to suffer it for eternity. You have, however, spoken to me of good souls admitted to the contemplation of God. But what about bad souls? Where are they punished? And Francis replied this, and he is quoted in this interview. He says, They are not punished. Those who repent obtain the forgiveness of God and enter the rank of souls who contemplate Him. But those who do not repent and cannot therefore be forgiven disappear. There is no hell. There is the disappearance of sinful souls. Now, as you can imagine, this sent shockwaves through Christendom. And so the Vatican quickly went on damage control. And so they released a couple days later a press release from the Office of the Holy See, the Holy Catholic Church, as it's called. And they said this, the Holy Father, speaking of Pope Francis, not God the Father, the Holy Father recently received the founder of the newspaper La Repubblica in a private meeting on the occasion of Easter, without, however, granting him an interview. What is reported by the author in today's article is the fruit of his reconstruction, in which the precise words uttered by the Pope are not cited. No quotations in the aforementioned article, then, should be considered as a faithful transcription of the words of the Holy Father. Now, the media has begun to spin that statement by the Catholic Church, the Vatican, as saying, Francis, oh yeah, he believes in the doctrine of hell, but did you catch what the statement did not say by the Vatican? They did not say that Francis believes in hell. No, it just said, uh, those weren't my precise words. It also calls it not an interview where his buddy says, oh no, it was an interview. And the buddy is quoting him where Francis is saying, no, that wasn't a quote because it wasn't a formal interview. It's very tricky. Francis is a very tricky, slippery person. He's very interesting in his remarks, but you know, this is not just Phil Baker who's saying, did you catch what the Holy Father supposedly quote unquote, you know, did you catch what Francis did not say? No, no, no. Check this out. This is Cardinal Raymond Burke. Cardinal Raymond Burke criticized Vatican's response to the scandal as strongly inadequate because the Vatican did not say Pope Francis rejects these heretical ideas. See, Burke, Cardinal Burke, is the patron of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. He is high up in the Catholic Church. He is a leader in the Catholic Church. And he says this, What happened with the latest interview given to Eugenio Scalfari during Holy Week and made public on Holy Thursday was beyond tolerable. 
that a famous atheist claims to announce a revolution in the teaching of the Catholic Church, believing to speak in the name of the Pope, denying the immortality of the human soul and the existence of hell, has been a source of profound scandal, not only for many Catholics, but also for many lay people who respect the Catholic Church and its teachings, even if they do not share them. Instead of clearly restating the truth about the immortality of the human soul and hell, the denial only said that some of the words quoted are not of the Pope. He continues, It did not say that the erroneous, even heretical ideas expressed by these words are not shared by the Pope and that the Pope repudiates such ideas as contrary to the Catholic faith. This playing with faith and doctrine at the highest level of the church rightfully leaves priests and faithful scandalized. It can be shocking when our leaders deny basic biblical truths. But if we're honest, this statement by Pope Francis should not shock us. I mean, think about it. What about the time he said that trying to convince non-Christians to convert to faith in Christ is an illicit poison? Or when he declared that one of the 10 secrets to a happy life is to not proselytize. And finally, what about the article he wrote in 2013 stating that even atheists have already been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and are children of God, just like the Christians. And by the way, all of these articles, all these things that I'm quoting are cited and they're in the show notes. You know, I try not to say this kind of thing very often because it's it, it can be very harmful. It can be. But this man is the very definition of a wolf in sheep's clothing. When Stephanie and I lived at our old house, a cleaning lady would come by every few weeks to you know, keep things from getting completely out of control. We usually got the same woman each month, but one time the company sent out a different lady. You know, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 tells us to always be ready to have a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. And that day, I was provided with many opportunities to share. From almost the moment she walked in, this lady, and we'll, we'll call her Shelby from now on, she, she was asking me philosophical, psychological, and spiritual questions. Shelby didn't really get much work done for the first 45 minutes, but I mean, it was fine with me. We covered a lot of ground. It seemed clear that she subscribed to the New Age movement because she appeared to subscribe to various beliefs from an assortment of religions. And two prominent New Age beliefs that Shelby ascribed to included discovering one's inherent divinity, and also reincarnation. And both of those teachings are attempts to deal with sin, death, judgment, and salvation through one's own strength and merit. And also, both of those teachings seek to completely dismiss Jesus and the apostles' clear teaching about hell. Listen to these verses from Jesus and the apostles. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. 
Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus again in Mark chapter nine, verse 43 through 48. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And Paul, in Philippians 3, 18 through 19, writes, For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, whose mind is set on earthly things." Paul again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6 through 9 It is only just for for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And now the apostle John in Revelation 21 verse 5 through 8. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without costs. He who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, the main problem in this world is not disunity. 
It is not a lack of understanding. It is not that our politicians and leaders on both sides of the aisle are narcissistic, sociopathic, idolatrous, pathological liars who will literally say or do anything to gain more power. No, the main problem in this world is that humanity is at war with God. We are in rebellion against the king of kings, and that insurrection is called sin. Sin leads to bondage and death. And for those who reject the forgiveness, redemption, and regeneration offered by Jesus Christ, the ultimate just judgment of hell's eternal fire awaits. Many church leaders today do not want to preach about hell, and they do this at their own peril. Not only do they endanger their own souls, but is it possible that these American church leaders carry a large portion of the blame for the breakdown of our society? Is it possible that their reluctance to regularly paint an accurate picture of both heaven and hell has led millions of Americans to not fear suffering the consequences of their actions? If so, it would probably be good practice for all church leaders to regularly read Malachi chapter 2. Unlike modern church leaders, the early Christians were neither ashamed of Jesus nor his words about hell. Please listen to these few quotes from the early Christians that faithfully represent the overwhelming consensus of anti-Nicene belief about hell. This is from the epistle of Barnabas, written between 70 and 130 A.D., It says this, The way of darkness is crooked, and it is full of cursing. It is the way of eternal death with punishment. Now, a letter to Diognetus, written between 125 and 200 AD. It says, You should fear what is truly death, which is reserved for those who will be condemned to the eternal fire. It will afflict those who are committed to it even to the end. And from the Shepherd of Hermes, written around 150 AD, it says, Sinners will be consumed because they sinned and did not repent. Those who have known God and have seen His mighty works but still continue in evil will be chastised doubly and will die forever. And now Hippolytus, around 225 AD, wrote this, For all, the righteous and the unrighteous alike, shall be brought before God the Word. He comes as a judge whom we call Christ. Those who have done well shall be assigned righteously eternal bliss, and to the lovers of iniquity shall be given eternal punishment, and the fire which is unquenchable and without end 
awaits these latter. And a certain fiery worm which does not die and which does not waste the body, but continues bursting forth from the body with unending pain. No sleep will give them rest. No night will soothe them. No death will deliver them from their punishment. No voice of interceding friends will profit them. According to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, God's judgment comes to both the righteous and the unrighteous. Everything we have ever thought, said, or done will be held up against the standard of Christ. And though non-Christians are capable of doing good things, that is not good enough. Therefore, even though Cornelius the Roman centurion was called a righteous and just man in Acts 10, he still needed to repent of his sins and receive forgiveness and newness of life through Jesus Christ. Throughout the, the nearly 38 years I've been alive, my eyes and my hands have willfully engaged in sin more times than I can imagine. I've valued countless things above God, and I have hurt countless others for the sake of those idols. As I've said before, my eyes deserve to be plucked out and my hands deserve to be cut off. Worse still, I deserve to spend eternity where my worm doesn't die and the fire is never quenched. Now, though the Gospels don't show Jesus demanding his disciples to cut off their hands or pluck out their eyes when they sin, his words in Mark 9 demonstrate how serious he is about sin. In one sense, Jesus was not using hyperbole. It would actually be better for us to enter life maimed or with one eye than to have an amazing body, not take Jesus seriously, and end up in the unquenchable fire of hell. Pope Francis is twisting Jesus' clear teaching on hell, particularly as seen in the book of Revelation. And by doing so, he is not only endangering others' lives, he is also endangering his own. For Revelation 22, verse 18 through 19 says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. You know, we, we should neither smile nor joke about men and women burning in hell. We should never celebrate that. We should not rejoice about false prophets like Pope Francis burning in hell. If we take Jesus at his word, more people will wind up in the lake of fire than in the new heavens and new earth. Also, like I communicated to Shelby, there are no second chances after we die. Reincarnation does not exist any more than purgatory does. But fortunately, there is 
rebirth, and regeneration through the Holy Spirit offered to everyone who will receive Jesus here and now. Jesus is more gracious, merciful, and patient than you can comprehend. He gave his entire life for you. And when you repent of your sins and give your life back to him, he gives his life back into you through the Holy Spirit. And as you walk with him each day, he begins to transform you into a new person and make you more like him. And that is really good news. The gospel is not just about keeping us out of hell. It's also about bringing God's kingdom into our lives. It's about transforming us into God's image by God's power. And that means God is writing a tremendous testimony in you. Filled with story after story of how your hope in Christ triumphs over the hellish situations that you face. The reality of hell should neither be the primary driving force behind choosing to follow Jesus nor telling others about him. However, it should be a motivating factor. We don't like to consider it. But the truth is that every single person we love is going to die one day and face judgment. So who do you know and love that is not following Jesus? Will you make it a point to earnestly pray for his or her salvation? And what can you do to demonstrate the reality of the gospel to them this week. And may you make the most of every opportunity to give the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. God bless you.